with him. Uh, Brother Howard, let's let's jump straight into uh, today's topic, Music Muse. Um, what is a muse, actually? Well, I, I would use the term muse because a muse is the inspiration. Um, it's a creative aspect where your creativity is um, superimposed by the muse. In other words, that person inspires you to... Uh, greater heights so in a sense the term music is a derivative of muse oh, so that's okay. why we're using the term today uh, in, the in terms of the elephant in the room is the muse meaning not only individual process but a cultural process as music becomes the muse and it teaches us things and it transmits things to us it's symbolic, it's a language it's a communicative aspect of the highest order so we have to talk about music to really understand some of the social issues that we've been talking about in our earlier episodes, even black-on-black -black crime, as we talked about that. Music has an aspect and a component to that that we have to talk about. The music 
that listen to, the frequency and the vibration in which uh, the youngsters or any of us operate on. See, what nourishes us and what doesn't, what develops us and what underdevelops us as it relates to frequency, as it relates to vibration. So the music is very, very powerful. That's why I use the term muse. It is our inspiration. And in its essence, we are music. It's what takes us to another level right here in terms of understanding. So if we can uh, deal with, with that aspect of it, then we can look at music as a teaching healing tool, which it has been for centuries upon centuries, and utilize the, some of those vehicles for positive aspects as opposed to some of the things that we may be seeing now in uh, other, in particular, genres of music uh, as it relates to the community and the shaping of, of, of the minds in the community, and w as well as behaviors. Okay, let's let's start from the very beginning here. Uh, I mean, there's really no date that you could put on. I mean, when music was created, uh, but but as far back as as you can. Hey, let's, 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 let's do this, Ed, in terms of no date. Music is infinite. Let's say right. music, is, 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 and this is the truth, it's cosmic. It's the cosmic echoes of the universe. In other words, the expansion of the universe in and of itself is musical. Musical is so powerful. Music is so powerful that it is actually light in, 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 the, in the transfer of energy from one form to another and how we process that energy. So in a sense, we're talking about crescendos, which is musical. That's why when we look at things visually on TV or whatever it may be, the backdrop is always in music. There's a musical backdrop that sets the frequency for what we see. In other words, we see through a particular sensory and we hear through another, but they correspond with each other. So the music sets the tempo. You see what I'm saying? It sets the tempo. And so music goes all the way back all the way back, as I said earlier, in an earlier episode, at the embryonic stage, we used to say the heartbeat of the mother set the pace. So that became the cadence of the culture. Thus, we have the drums, which is the external extension of the heartbeat. Now the drums become the communicating process in the village, and we can communicate vis-a-vis -vis the drums in the community. So music was a very, very deep science that was part of us. And we have to understand how we can use that as a vehicle to transform ourselves to what we need to be to be better in the community, to do better in the community, and not be dependent upon anything that is external and is harmful in the community. In other words, music is the tool. Okay. All right. I, I'm understanding that with you. Uh, so how do we use... Um, Let's say probably the, the, the greatest or the most popular form right now, rap music in mm -hmm. the community. Uh, how can we use that um, besides? Well, 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 that begs the conversation. To, to, we, we talked about the, the form and the language involved in that and the frequency and so forth. So when, when, when these things become languages, in the community, and, and I was just speaking about that earlier. In other words, when we call females thought or any of these derogatory terms or any of these terms that come out of the music, they transfer themselves all around the world. You see, all around the world, 
They may have come out of L.A., they may have come out of Compton, New York, wherever, Atlanta. But in reality, this language is part of the world syntax. It becomes part of our vernacular. So they start to speak within that language. And, and, and the thought process is so powerful that it actually becomes a culture within a culture, a microculture, if you will. So now we have language, now we have dress, now we have a particular frequency that they operate on. A particular behavior pattern comes into play, be it negative or positive, it's a powerful, powerful piece. And it's orchestrated by the frequency in which the music puts them on. See, in particular, our people, many, need high-frequency music. High-frequency music, Ed, and one would say, what is high-frequency music? High-frequency music moves your soul. High-frequency music makes you think. High-frequency music allows you to travel without packing your suitcases. You see what I'm saying? Because the music took you there. It took you inside yourself. It took you on a journey. So high-frequency music was part of our system, you know what I mean, for us to develop. It was part of who we were. See, we were very, very, very sensitive to this music as we were to the sun, as we were to water, as students often tell me in the field, our melanin systems were connected to these things, and we needed these things to be the best that we can be. They had our battery going. The same way you go to your car and you're negative and positive there, you put your water in to be the conduit. You know what I'm saying, Ed? In okay. terms of the electrical charge, the same way with music, the same way with our system. This is this is our, our people and how we correspond to music. So music becomes a language. It becomes a language of symbols. It becomes a language of light information and sound vibrational information, and, and it transforms behavior, you know, at a very, very deep level. That's why the generation gap and so forth and so on, because we haven't understood, even though we're the proprietors of music, African people on the planet, we've lost touch of how we transmit music within our own framework now. It's become commercialized, and the consciousness of music does not have to be there. So the onus doesn't have to be on the artist, so to speak, to speak of the village or speak of uh, the long periods of time we've been on the planet. So we have snippets of stories of urban decay and so forth and so on. But we've been here for one million years, Ed. So music should be quite vast, wouldn't you say? Uh, Yeah. Now, this would be my question to you. Uh, What would you say to those who say that uh, the people in the know that knows mm-hmm. this, okay, mm-hmm. that have the power, that they're, they're taking music and they're guiding it, they're influencing, influencing our behavior and thought pattern. Right. How, how do we break that? I think we break that by doing what me and you are doing right now. Talking about it talking about the elephant in the room. Uh-oh. I lost you. Oh, man, it becomes a domino effect. Hey, Howard. Yes. Okay. All right, I got you back. I lost you. Uh, okay, I'm sorry about that. No problem. Um, and go ahead. And you're saying it was becoming a domino effect? Well, I was saying basically you, 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 you questioned, uh, uh, and I answered it like this. 
uh, Ed, uh, in terms of a uh, solution and moving forward, and uh, uh, we must uh, create a domino effect and talk about these particular things. The elephant in the room is is talking about a very very difficult subject matters that squeeze us in, in, in a particular space and time. It's the underpinning reality that no one talks about in the boardroom or, or, or at a particular meeting. It's the underlining process that make people and the resources that we feed upon in a parasitic society. See, we don't understand relationships at that level because in a sense we've lost our humanism. And this is beyond race or anything. This is a human aspect of understanding ourselves and who we are on the planet. We haven't been able to resolve this for hundreds of years and we act as best we can push a button and resolve it now through a multicultural class or whatever this may be, through cameras on police. That's why the, these conversations must take place. And where how music fits in is music is such a powerful shaping tool because it is cosmic in its nature. And how we able to control that aspect of, of music in the community is, one, we must remember where we got it from and where it came from and the continuum of it. Because what it does is put us in time and space. Music allows us to remember, Ed. That's the elephant in the room. See, every time in your mind, and particular time you hear a song, you kind of remember where you were, don't you, Ed? Okay, yeah. Don't you? Don't you, Ed, when you hear Rick James play a particular song, you say, okay, where was I then? Or you remember a particular song or a particular event, and do you equate it to music? What was playing then on the radio? What was I hearing in my mind? This is how powerful vibrational frequency is. You see what I'm saying? It takes us beyond the, the process of matter. See, so we have to have a higher understanding of how these things translate to pragmatic behaviors and actions and manifestations in the community. How do we build from these things? How do we know the science? How do we understand the science of it? How, so they use the science of music against us because we allow them to. We allow them to use the science of it. We don't bring in our scholarship on processes like melanin and music and frequencies from our scholars. These things are somewhere in academia or somewhere in a dusty, clouded room because the youngsters want to Google information and download applications that have nothing to do with their continuum. See, see, culture is like downloading applications, Ed. Music is an application. You can see the frequency changing in, in people's behavior from one age to another. You know, we've seen that throughout the ages. This in a, a common Americana life. You know, the music, the rock and roll, the old folks, the rock and roll was this. This was that in this particular time. There was a generation gap in terms of looking at music through the eye of the Indo-European. There's no generation gap in our music, Ed. Our music was infinite, and it came from the inside out. It was expression. See, it was a communal expression. It was non-commercial. It was for everyone. Can you imagine a music ed for everyone, not for sale, not captured on paper in mathematical notes where the, where the expression of music is structured the same every time? And you know damn well when you play music, you have to be improvisational, depending on how you felt that day, brother. See, Wednesday, you might have felt different than Friday. You might have been playing the same song, but your improvisational self was different. So the music went with you. Dig? Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Right, 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 right. So that's, 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 those conversations allow us to look at those things and, and, and bring those things into the impactful programs in the community. Like, for instance, 
and a lot of our groups that we use in classes and workshops, we have drummers coming in. And you and everybody would circle up. And, and these master drummers would come in. You would not believe how the communication aspect is nonverbal, but we speak louder through these drums than we ever have. There's no fear concept because their natural rhythm comes up. So that person that feels like they're semi-literate and doesn't, don't want to question, don't want to get engaged, now they engage the drum. And now we can hear his rhythm or her rhythm in that, in that drum. Now they become part of that circle. See, that symbolic circle. So that music is part of that embracing mechanism. So with that, we embrace ourselves and understand the science of music as it relates to behavior, as it relates to divinity itself. How do we become better? How do these high frequencies operate on the process of love and low frequencies operate on the opposite spectrum of duality, like we talked about later in our earlier episode? So the elephant in the room, in a sense, takes us from one place to another because the elephant in the room is so many things and so little things that, but it's first and foremost memory. An elephant remembers. That's right. why, and it takes up space with that memory, Ed. See, it's a supercomputer. It's a high-frequency creature, and it takes up a lot of space. We have to talk about it now. The time is there to talk about the elephant in the room. Music is one of those processes. And now, through hip-hop, they're able to do destructive things in our community. But they've done that before, because if you follow the Harlem Renaissance and vaudeville and other processes, we see all kinds of little uh, uh, things that went on with music then. But we did our thing. We went from gospel, you know, even before that, West African juju music, you know, and so forth and so on, into other forms of music that you call gospel, then to the blues and to jazz, and then to R&B and to soul, and, and, and to soul and R&B, and to hip-hop, and to rap, and so forth and so on. So what are the connections from one to another? What are the connections to this West African juju music and hip-hop? What is the connections to hip-hop and the West Indian music? As we study our history, we will start to see these processes in the, in the connective tissue. In other words, see, in the 17th and 16th century, the slave trade took us many places. In the West Indies, they were able to use the drum. See, at the slaves, so-called slaves, the Africans that were enslaved in America, they did not allow them the drums, Ed. We weren't allowed to use the drums, Ed, in South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, and so forth, in the East Coast of the United States. You know what I'm saying? Right. But in the West Indies, and in Trinidad, and, and Tobago, and so forth, they had access to the drums. And why do I say that, and as it relates to music? These drums became Vondon, which Europeans call voodoo. These drums became Santeria, which are uh, communication spiritual systems, you know, that operate on rhythm and communication through life and death. The dead and living communicate through these rhythmic systems of communication. You see, so the drums were in the West Indies, and that became part of the music. We see it in reggae, and we see it through that particular beat. See, we, 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 we came into our play a little, little differently, you know what I mean, through the, through the Gulf, through, through the Africanists, through the South, and, we, and, and our music was married into folk and so forth and so on. And now you see the Americana backdrop of music is, is African-American. You hear commercials, you hear our music in the background. As a matter of fact, our music can go places that we can't, Ed. Our music is always allowed, isn't it, Ed? <laughs> you see? It's part of the frequency. It's part of the process. So 
this is a powerful tool. If they capture music, they capture you. So in a sense, you cannot give away yourself in the music. This is huge. So we talk about the science of music as it relates to these things. It's big. So the black on black prime thing, like I said, that's a component. And then this music is a component to that. You see what I'm saying? A particular frequency and a particular behavior pattern and thought process goes. You know, everything from desires, wants, needs, and what they perceive to be value. All that comes into play vis-a-vis the music. The music shapes a particular blueprint in the mind, you know, of who you're going to be and a collective basis. So we have a peer apparatus going on. You dig? They're all right there in the same phase. You know, all kinds of variables. There's variables everywhere. But indeed, it's all the same. So there's a particular predictability of criminality in our community. You see, with the backdrop of Scarface playing in the background. See, Empire, Ed. Empire. So back in the day, what we used to do to counter that shit was listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Miles Davis, Nina Simone, George Clinton, the Mothership Connection. Star Child, what was George saying when he said Star Child? What were the symbolic messages of our, about our aesthetics, about our past that was translated into music as you listen to Rashawn Roland Kirk, as you listen to these forms of music and expression that come from history that they don't want us to listen to now? See, I always tell uh, in my classes, I said, please t- turn your youngsters on to, 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 to jazz and, uh, and turn them on to those things so they can understand what silence is and texture, so they can have some texture, Ed. You see, roughage, other words, texture allows you to feel the whole fabric and you feel the texture of it, see? Cultures so, like texture. Okay. So that's your shit, man, you fucked up. <laughs> so then, uh, so you're saying that maybe jazz and blues um, is a better way to go, as far as <laughs> yeah. the- no, is it a better, it's not a matter of a better or worse. It's a matter of continuum. In other words, if, if, if you're in the now and present, to know the whole story and even to expand upon your hip-hop or your rap, you have to understand history or you should understand it so your story can expand itself, you see, so you can expand your story. In other words, with information and data and experiences from the past. In other words, you become those experiences, you see? So that what separates what we call conscious rap from unconscious rap, commercial rap that we get all over the place, and those speak, speaking consciously about development within it. In other words, creating new languages, creating more dynamic languages that make us more conscious of ourselves, make us more human, you know, and reflect who we really are. So we don't hear that what we call conscious rap, Ed, See, we, that's not commercialized like that because they want us to be consumers of the unconscious. So we become unintelligible, non-thinking. Not just us, the human species in and of itself becomes dummied down vis-a-vis the music. It's certainly one of the components because information is transferred through light. I told you the symposium between light and dark takes us back to primordial cellular structure the behavior process of the human species. I told you, we think differently. And these are the reasons why. 
Now you're saying, and you were talking about being dummy down. Yes. One of one of the things that I thought, or in just growing up, once I kind of realized it, one of the most, oh, I would say, the worst theme song, FSETCOM theme song of all time, was Good Times, because yes. I thought that that song. Uh, even though it was catchy for right. a entire generation, it told okay. you temporary layoffs, good times, right. easy right. credit ripoff, good times, struggling and surviving, good times, right. hanging in a chow line, good times. Certainly. If you heard that over and over, doesn't it play to the fact that when they call you in the office, and they go, Brother Howard, we got to lay you off. Doesn't your, your subliminal mind go temporary layoff? Good times? <laughs> you know what it is? I, I gotta, let me laugh at that one for a minute. <laughs> and, and, and in a sense, you're so correct. Because, again, these things shape us. You know, and they're all product at a time and space and age. Remember when good times were when they wrote the lyrics. And also, remember who wrote the song. Yeah. Remember who wrote the song and what it was really about. Always remember the source as it talks about that particular song. But in the broader aspect of it, you know, all those things are relevant. We can name thousands and thousands of particular pieces that shape how we look at certain things and aspects. So you are so correct on that. You are so correct. I agree with you 100%. So in the science of music, those are little processes of the discussion that, that come into play. And, and, and more and more increasingly, as we have uh, uh, workshops and classes with younger people, the language becomes that of music. See, the language becomes that of music. Because remember, music is, it was, it is everything. It's fashion to them. It's the designer labels that they speak of. It's all those things, Ed. So um, you're, you're so correct. So we use those languages to, to communicate and, and, and that certain communicated uh, part of our, our little schisms that we deal with, which are ordinary things in our community. It was nothing. Because remember, we, we, we found uh, this pain to be humorous so we can survive. So as a comedian in your, in your past, you, you know there was a relationship between comedy and pain. It, it's a fine line in, in terms of satire in the black community. So we made this misery and we laughed about it. That was part of the vaudevillian process that we had to deal with. And you know what I mean? In whiteface, in blackface, all those things that come into play in terms of who we are and how we look at ourselves and how, you know, and how we project ourselves in the outside of our, the, in the, the, to the rest of the world uh, and so forth and so on. Music is a huge factor in, in that. So like you said, uh, Good Times was a product of his times and, and so forth and so on. And, but unfortunately, it's an oxymoron so, because we haven't seen a lot of good times since good times, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> According See. to my calculations here, we haven't seen a lot of good times since that time uh, in terms of us uh, doing what we need to do and, and so forth and so on. So um, we need to batten the hatches, I, I imagine, you know. Hope that answers your question a wee bit, because this right. subject matter is a very, very potent one. See, see, and that was something that I uh, didn't catch until um, later in life. 
right. you know, the subliminal right. message that was right. Um, right. It, uh, it was a, it's powerful, isn't it? Let, oh, let me take yeah. you another to the. Let me take you to, to the other side of the spectrum, because uh, uh, you talked about good times. Let, let, let me take you back to a quick lyric of Earth, Wind, and Fire, real quick. My name is Jupiter from the galaxy. I came to greet you, to set you free, deliver to you, you know, a plant, you know, a story from a distant planet from where I'm from. So a whole different aspect of, of comes into play. Earth, Wind, and Fire says, my name is Jupiter. I'm delivering a particular message. So in the symbolism, not only of this song and the lyrics, of their music in particular, not just Earth, Wind, and Fire, those who put together the stories of astrophysics, of, of, of mythologies at a deeper level, and philosophies at a different level, were able to transfer the information through the music. So, and see, back in the day, Ed, you know, for me, my early process of understanding history and culture was through album covers. I know this is going to sound strange, but I didn't have books. Couldn't afford books, Ed. Come on, man. And the books they wanted you to read in school, you didn't want to read that shit. I didn't want to read Great Expectations. I didn't want to read Dickens. Yeah. I did because I wanted to see in class or I would get a whooping at home. We had right. to make it, man. You did. Oh, yeah. But here's what went down. You know, ultimately, you started to understand what was classical to you and start to get your own groove going and then bring those things in so you could see the world, so you can understand a little better and use more than just your, your sensories that are deal with matter at this level. Go ahead. No, no, no. I am I definitely uh, agreeing with you. I'm just thinking back on how, um, oh, how, how uh, blacks were portrayed in movies uh, yes. at the very beginning up yes. until... Um, yes. Basically, uh, Curtis Mayfield and right. uh, uh, with uh, Shaft and how that right. was no so empowering. No uh, right. There's there's very little empowering music nowadays. Um, I understand. Right. And, right. You're, 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 and I agree with you. Uh, I, but there is empowering music, but. It doesn't get commercial play. You don't have commercial access to it. You have to be able to have the consciousness or the wherewithal to search for it and look for it. The the, the vibe is there, but the vibe is non-commercial, Ed. It's that little place in that little hideaway that's in between between Macy's and the huge department stores in your damn mind. It's the little shop that has the real shit in it that we can really think in. That right. little shop is the reality. Those other things are facsimiles, but they are skyscrapers. You dig? I use that analogy because we're being fooled in a sense, you know, and it's really simplistic to see what I'm saying on, on that point. So what, what, one of the things about the, the music piece that's real interesting, you talked about, uh, you know, the vaudeville scene. Let's think about uh, it. Uh, the term jazz, we talked about jazz earlier. Jazz came from the word jigaboo. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The term jazz is a derivative of the term jigaboo. So with chicken shack jigaboo music, which is, of course, the term that they call black folks, you know the deal, right? Right. So it was jigaboo music and this chicken shack music coming out of, 
you know, out of the Gulf, out of the uh, the Delta, uh, you know, uh, in Mississippi and so forth and so on, that they, they called. We don't know those things. So it ties us into history to understand it understanding those processes and so forth. And, you know, this is Americana in its purest. Jazz, blues, gospel are the American backdrop because they're true American music, if we call it American. You know, folk and other aspects, bluegrass and so forth. But these American music that spread themselves all over the world through African-American presence around the world, their voices around the world. But we gave it up. See, when you go to jazz concerts back in my day, 80% of the concerts, 90% of the people there would not be even African-Americans. They didn't appreciate their own form of music. See, it wasn't classical to them anymore. You see, they didn't understand it. They didn't understand the relationship between those things. They didn't even understand that classical music was also induced by African polyrhythms. Beethoven, et cetera, et cetera. If you, if you study the classical music, you'll see this Moorish presence. You'll see an African presence in the science of the music and the rhythm of the music, you see. But right. we don't understand those things. We don't talk about those things, so we can't put ourselves in time and space again. So music always becomes a, a tremendous vehicle in, in, our, in our group sessions, in our classes, and in, in our workshops, talking to our young folk, and so forth and so on. But we must understand the science of it so we can't hate on hip hop and all that because that's part of what we didn't do. So when they talk about bitches and hoes and all this crazy stuff that you so-called hear, we didn't stop that. See the generation before, the generation before, it's intergenerational, Ed. Some would say, man, why do the kids listen to that bullshit? Because that's what we put on their plate. That's what they came up with. That's what they constructed of what we left of the carcass of the community, of the carcass of our souls. So now that becomes the music. So I don't look at them and, and judge them and say, okay, this is some whack shit you're listening to, bruh. You know, even though I know it is, so why are, on, why are, or are they on that frequency? Why are they on that low frequency becomes our discussion. You know what I mean? I said, put yourself back in the framework so you can expand upon those particular things. You see? Okay. Oh, it, it, it's very, very, very deep. So that's why the conversation with music and, and, the, and the rest of the things we talked about in the prior weeks are really uh, marinate themselves together, and they're really one. It is. Everything is one. Every episode we do will be really the same thing. It's very this one. We're always looking for the connective process. We're looking for that which connects things. Whatever subject matter it may be, we're spinning off that subject matter, looking at it in our own framework and developing ourselves so we can look at the elephant in the room, so we can have honest dialogue and so forth and so on. So music, Ed, is a, that's a vehicle, brother, to change and um, so forth. You uh, know, what Bob Marley used to say with music, that was it was revolutionary, and he spread that revolutionary tone around the world, and it still reverberates to this day. So music is a propaganda political tool. I know it's needless to say, my friend. See, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, you know. Yeah, I definitely under understand that. Let me get your your um, opinion on this, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the younger listeners probably have no idea about it, but in the 
early years of rock and roll, okay, yeah. uh, a black artist would put out a song, and the only way it would get airplay was mm-hmm. if it was uh, redone by Pat Boone uh, right. or Elvis or whatever. Yeah. Um, right. What what right. was the thinking behind that? Was it just we don't want to uh, promote this black artist, or we don't want our kids listening to and loving and looking up to this black man? So we will make it. We'll redo the song, which is a hit. Hey, can, hey, hey, can I go with uh, see all of the above? <laughs> because it is all of the above, Ed. Because remember, during the early stages of what you be called rock and roll, we were in Jim Crow. See, Jim Crow was segregation. And the African-American artists would matriculate themselves around the world with their music vis-a-vis the Chitlin circuit. See, and the Chitlin circuit was a dynamic where the, the black folks would go from venue to venue on a particular uh, uh, platform or circuit, so to speak. And they would travel by the Green Book to different safe houses to their destination. In other words, they may go from North Carolina to New York. And in that travel in the 40s and 50s, they had to have places to stay. So they used the Green Book and other places down south as well and the Chitlin circuit. You know, well, so that- Jim Crow was in full effect. So they could not have the images of black artists, you know, propagating and singing these ballads and these songs to their white audience at that particular time. So that music was transferred into different images and so forth. But we see that in, 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 in even in black music as they would put the so-called more lighter-skinned female up front as opposed to the darker-skinned female in our own caste system that we deal with in our community. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we look for those images and those symbols of light in the music, my friend. So. It's coming not only then, it is here now. We do that now. We have not changed that children's circuit mentality now. See, they, they cast it upon us. It's up to us to break those particular spells, you see. So it was Jim Crow in full effect, Ed. So Elvis and the rest of the artists at that particular time, when they tell their stories, we know what was going on. We know they got that rhythm and that vibe from Little Richard and Chuck Berry, and Memphis mm-hmm. Slim, and Muddy Waters, and you know what I mean, and Robert Johnson, and so forth, and the sisters that was laying down the tracks, you know, that we don't even know of. Yeah. We know that. If anybody, See? yeah, if anybody uh, ever goes back, they can watch uh, the Little Richard story. Right. And, and about, right. and Pat Boone is covering a lot of Little Richard songs. and. Right. So he would do stuff just because he knew Pat Boone couldn't duplicate it. Uh, Tutti Frutti was a song he knew he could he couldn't sing that fast, so and exactly. he knew it. So he would do stuff exactly. like that on purpose to right. try to keep it original and to try to right. keep it. See, to right, yeah, hey, 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 you're so correct. See, that, that's where you know culture cultural vampirism comes into play. 
if you don't seize your own culture, people will use that artistry, use that particular energy to do things, and they get paid for those things that you cannot within your own culture. In other words, uh, Pat Boone probably made more in five years than Little Richard made in 20 years because of commercialization, because of his acceptance in the mainstream culture, which he was a reflection of. Little Richard couldn't do that. You see what I'm saying? All those things come into play in this industry, you know, when we deal with. So we're back to the elephant in the room again and again in the context of music. Okay. That's, a heck of, that's a heck of a thing. You know, that's a heck of a thing. So I appreciate your question on that, brother. So, you know, like I said earlier, a, a study on Jim Crow, the Chitlin Circuit, and, and other aspects, and you'll see how hard it was for us to move. That's why many of the jazz artists in those days would go over to Europe. They thought they were freer in Europe because the European consumer, you know, had demigod most of these tremendous uh, virtuoso musicians. So they were able to move in European society somewhat much easier than they were in the Jim Crow South and North in the United States. So we have a large amount of jazz artists that made their way over there. Read the, i.e., the Josephine Baker story, and, you know, everything from Dexter Gordon to Lester Young, but they all made pilgrimages, and, and so to speak, over to Europe uh, so they can free themselves. So to the European uh, audience was more susceptible to who they were. Their artistry was appreciated, and the Europeans were more old. They understood the Moors were there. They, they understood antiquity a little bit better. So it was a much more malign relationship than the hillbilly process we got going on in the United States of America, where unsophisticated yet uh, becomes part of the play. Well, it's, it's still that way, uh, especially with blues artists. Uh, blues is unbelievable uh, the acceptance that blues artists get in Europe. Uh, right. For a matter of fact, I've done a podcast that you can go back and listen to uh, with Russell Jackson, who played right. bass for B.B. King. He said right. that when him and B.B., B.B. was the first Russian or the first blues player to ever go to Russia. He said right. back then, and probably still till this day, when they have a sellout crowd, they mm-hmm. sell tickets to people standing, I mean, it's standing room only. If you can stand in the aisle you and you're comfortable, buy a ticket. Go stand in the aisle. He said it is just totally packed. Uh, yes. Bernadette Cooper, who I also yeah. did an interview with on my podcast, she right. is talking about going over to Europe to stay uh, right. because she's she's more accepted over there. Certainly, um, certainly. You know? certainly. Uh, certainly. And, and, and to say that, like I said, this is not a it's not a new so called phenomenon. It's been going on for quite a while. But and and and, and those things you have to go really deep into as well. Because there, there's different degrees of this acceptance in, in, in terms of European culture and so forth and so on. But the, on, on the artistic frame, in terms of the bohemian process, it's very, very, uh, uh, there's a historical process where, where many of our artists have, have, have thrived and had more freedom uh, and, and movement, so to speak, o- over in Europe and outside of the United States. There's no question about that whatsoever, because the relationship changed. The relationship changed. See, yeah. our colonial relationship is completely different. The same way that uh, someone would talk to me and someone from Nigeria, even though we're both African, so to speak, the relationship between me and a European 
American is different between than, than me, uh, him, and the African. See, now we have a, a, a different situation going to play. They see us completely different, even though historically I know the deal. But this is how how powerful this left brain is. It, it separates us, and when people don't know the history, they're always separated. So we have these. Uh, 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 processes of antagonism in, in communities based on that separation and whatnot. So music is really a vehicle to bring those things together, and that's really the commonality and it's one of the tying mechanisms that can be used in terms of, uh, you know, uh, folks talking about their commonality and, and, and what they have in common and what they build upon and so forth. So um, it, it's, it's huge, brother. It's huge. Now, now let me ask you this, because can you believe it or not, we're getting close to our one hour limit. <laughs> uh, I know it goes real, real fast. With the success of the independent artists now, uh, AE Tech Nine uh, comes to mind. A lot of these, and now with SoundCloud, Reverb Nation, YouTube. Uh, social, just social media in general. People could get their yeah. music out to yeah. a audience without the big uh, record companies. Do you uh -huh. see that as something that can change the perception and and the the way that that people consume their music? It, it already it already has. And, and, and that transformation has been taking place for, for, for several decades, and, and, you know, as it relates to the technology yet across the boards. Like I said, we, 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 we've gone a long way from the 8-track, haven't we? Oh, You know, yeah. in terms of how we look at and deliver music, we've gone a long way from that cassette. We've gone a long way from the CD now. You know, we've gone binary and we've gone to other forms. So, so what, what, what's, what's going on in, in that channel, like I said, music is light, and when we transfer that energy... And that's what's so powerful about this musical piece. Uh, they can't really capture it like that. It's it's hard to capture. And one of the things hip hop has done is created a lot of money and a lot of entrepreneurs and power players, so to speak, um, that probably would not have been there if it not been for the technology and able to you know move their music in different ways without going to to the Luciferian middleman. You know what I mean? Definitely. Going to that middleman or, or 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 so forth and having to cut up the check and and being ripped off or whatever it may be, but um so that, that that's huge and and a lot of times the language of business has has uh, entered that framework now. They're, they're talking about about the music in terms of dollars and talking about power now and and so forth and so on. How do we uh, matriculate that into building aspects in the community? through the music. So, you know, that's one of the things I'm excited about with Black Lives Matter because they have an artistic overtone to them. You know, they're thinkers and intellectuals and youngsters, you know, and so forth. But I think they have a grasp of, of the past as well. I think, and, 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 and as being artists, music is going to play a big part of what they do in the future and what that whole process is about, you know. And so forth, and and it's huge. Ed. All these messages uh, delivered through uh, different uh, medias. Man, I I totally agree with you. I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, 
and and I'm glad that, that you chose this topic. Hopefully, it'll make uh, people start to think not only, you know, that I like this artist, but why I like this right. artist. You know, right. uh, what exactly. what is what's happening to me subconsciously when I hear these artists. Uh, how does it, how does it, remember, how does it shape culturally constructed thought? How does thought come into play, Ed? You know, I mean, what is our input data? You see, what is our input in terms of, and how do we expect uh, a, a relationship between input and output to be different? In other words, what do we input in ourselves, be it food or whatever it may be? And how do we expect output? If you put in garbage, you get garbage out. And, and, and that's in human behavior, Ed. So if you put in low-frequency music, you get low-frequency behaviors in the community. That, in a sense, is black-on-black crime that we talked about in our second episode. Low-frequency means you're closer to not liking shit, especially your damn self or anything that looks like you. You see? So those vibrational frequencies, you're more apt to do damage to many different things, my friend, when you're on a low frequency. You're closer to depression. You're closer to many things of that nature. You know, your desires are falsified. You see, all the things. You become a consumer of those things. And this is the essence of dealing with those some of these problems and the psychodynamics of these problems and the psychosis that we deal with in our community that we very seldom talk about vis-a-vis the cash system, where it comes from, why we're tripping on certain things that have been around for three, four, five hundred years, and we still haven't resolved them in the community. You know, it's, we're out of our minds. Unless we get these conversations going, we will be targets, we will be resources for the system that we're operating in now. It's not real in that aspect, see. You know, next week, we're going to do a little piece on social services and other institutions that really talk about how it's a revolving door and how many in our community and how poverty is maintained. How poverty is actually the biggest company in the world. Poverty is the large, large Fortune 500 company that's number one, Ed. In the maintenance of poverty, there's a lot of vehicles and tools that go into that poverty, so to speak. And it's beyond economics. It's psychological poverty. It's spiritual poverty and so forth. It's all those things. It affects the ecology. It affects the whole process. See, all these things come into play that we don't speak about when we talk about programs and this and that in the community and how we care about our kids and so forth. But we put things together where we can't take care of them, you see, and all our money goes to taking care of others. And we don't even know it. You know, we have to be smarter. We won't survive. You know, not only us, the human species in of itself, because, see, we're very close at the critical mass now. And we have to talk about those things. Indeed, if there is a new world order, God damn it, you better be the one governing that new world order on and get your hands on the steering wheel of that shit. Because that's simply a restructuring of an old world order that should not be in place in the first place. Man, I, man thank you uh, <laughs> for the knowledge that you <laughs> dropped. Um, I just like to 
say, man, we're running out of time. Uh, once again, man, thank you for being here, Brother Howard. Uh, hey, man, I appreciate it. I just want you to know, I thought it was number two. It was actually uh, the episode two, uh, Elephant in the Room, was our number one played track last week. Sweet, sweet. All right. And, and like I said, the more the, more the merrier uh, so we can uh, increase this dialogue. and Because and, and, um, uh, and, and, it's global, bro. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's global. We want everybody. And, 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 you know what's really exciting about that? Really, um, my, my, one of my closing statements in this, any, anytime you, you you do uh, educational pieces on, on some of the things that we, we talk about and so forth and so on, uh, you know, for, for the years, the last 30 years, I, I, I always do a precursor where you almost have to be apologetic about what is hate and what is love. In other words, when you talk about the elephant in the room, a lot of people start to blame and victimize. In other words, are you blaming me, you know, for the past, the sins of the father? You know, and what you have to do is is, is, is let people understand the, the world in which we live, the relationship between the past, present, and future. These are two different mindsets that come into play. See, one being linear, one being circular. Hard to matriculate these two worlds, even when you explain them. You say to yourself, we're not talking about we're beyond blame. We already know what the deal is. This is about us dealing with who we are internally and seizing our own power. This is that exactly what it is. Ed. This has nothing to do with any other community. It has something to do with the human community within ourselves. So self-knowledge becomes that vehicle and tool where self-love becomes the process of how we live on the planet. It has to be. We have to become a more high frequency because we digress and we're not spiritual as we say we are. Matter of fact, we're the opposite of that. We're the opposite of that. We have to be brave enough to see where these things come from and how they're used for war, how they're used to separate people and dehumanize people and they're the vehicles for these particular things. That's a hell of a goddamn elephant in the room and we'll talk about it in our next episode. Thank you, brother. Hey, thank you. And that was Brother Howard uh, talking about music, Muse, uh, and how it affects pretty much your entire life. Uh, if you have any questions or any comments, please uh, shoot me a comment on SoundCloud. Uh, you can go to Twitter, Double E Podcast. You can even go and send us an email if you would like to be a guest on The Elephant in the Room. Uh, it is double, D-O-U-B-L-E-E-785 at gmail.com. On behalf of myself and Brother Howard, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, listening. All right? And you have a great day, and we are out of here.